Good morning, everybody. It's July 30th, 2021. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Shilowitz. It's This Week in XR, and we have a very special guest doing the podcast with us this week, Roni Abovitz, founder of Mako Surgical and Magic Leap, and a new company called Sun and Thunder, which we are not talking about because today it's all about the metaverse. Roni, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you join Ted and I for this discussion. Charlie, it's great to be here and, and great seeing you and Ted and hearing you both. So this week, uh, there was a mad amount of, of news as there was last week about the putative metaverse. And I say the putative metaverse because we really are at the stage where we are just defining it. And Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, who has been on the forefront of publishing, publicizing this, said on an earning call with analysts yesterday, what is the metaverse? It's a virtual environment where you can be present with people in digital spaces. You can kind of think of this as an embodied internet that you're inside of rather than just looking at. What, what do we make of this, Roni? Um, I think it's a really interesting signal. Um, one, one thing to think about, if you, you can be very functional, you can be very imaginative. Let me just start really quickly with the functional. There's no doubt it's an evolution of just the internet. You know, you think about the original internet, it's like simple text, simple emails. And then what do we add to that? We added like static images, we added some sounds, it was slow, then it got faster. Then we have like streaming audio and streaming video. And as you continue to increase the speed and power and capability of the underlying network, um, which there's literally been about a trillion dollars of investment in the infrastructure of that underlying network. I think that's what's important to be able to create super high speed gigabit networks and edge computing and all of, all of the infrastructure the thing underneath. What are you going to do with all that? You just don't need all that for text. You just don't need all that for photos. So you're going to go volumetric. You're going to go spatial. So to some extent, this is a evolution of just hundreds of billions, even trillions of dollars of investment in infrastructure that create capability to have our digital world mimic the physical world we're in. In fact, none of that should be surprising. What it really is, is a digital copy um, and ever uh, increasingly good, but also weird ways of our universe. That's really what it's a, it's a digital universe and we're coming closer and closer to approximating it and building our own worlds. That's how I think of this. Yeah, I think well, Charlie, um, what's, what's interesting is that you, you mentioned, you touched on this at the beginning of the, of the podcast of the recording today is that there's like a interesting, this last 10 days kind of confluence of media and discussion about this. And I would say over the last couple of years, this has popped up a few times with greater and greater sort of aplomb, right? And was it close to a year ago, Roni, you and I were on a, a Gamesbeat conference with our friend Richard Taylor, and we talked a lot about this. And then there was a, a wave of news right around that, right around a big you know, gaming conference. And for whatever reason, Mark Zuckerberg, that, that Verge article hit super mainstream. Um, I had some press on the Viacom CBS side around our tactics around the metaverse and our thinking around this that hit on the NAB press site. And there was a few other things. Matthew Ball had a, 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 a an updated post on his blog about the metaverse. This oh, and he's, he's funded a whole um, EFT uh, that is a, a public company that is trading in stocks related to the metaverse. And he writes about it extensively on his blog, Matthew Ball VC, which I recommend anybody interested in this topic has to go That's there. Great stuff. Uh, 
has to, has to go there to begin their understanding of it. But there are two things that I'm kind of confused about that I think you guys might be able to help me out with. Uh, we're a bunch of old codgers here, so uh, except for Roni. I'll leave Roni out of the codger category just yet. He's got another 10 years to go before he's an official codger, which is why he's still running a, uh, a startup. Um, but here's, here's what I don't understand. You know, going back in history, uh, you guys must remember cyberspace. And in the early 90s, that meant yep, bulletin yep. boards. <laughs> and we said, wouldn't it be great if all the bulletin boards were connected together? And they soon were through the internet, which at first we didn't call the internet. We called it the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. And no one really understood why we were calling it the World Wide Web. It's still instead of the internet. And of course, the World Wide Web is something your grandmother says now. Um, and so now the new word is metaverse. How is metaverse different than cyberspace? Well, let me let me let me get really nerdy for a second. <laughs> so, so internet comes out of like DARPA funding from the fifties and sixties. Yes. Uh, not invented by a certain vice president. You know, a lot of early computer scientists <laughs> networking together comes out of the idea of networking from the late eighteen hundreds, like telegraphs and phones. So none of this is like a surprise or new. It's just where networking would go. Fire signals on mountains thousands of years ago. Same idea. Um, so then we have William Gibson writing about cyberspace. You have Neuromancer. Yeah. I got to meet early, early in, in my career who created the concept of the World Wide Web. He took the notion of the underlying internet, Timothy Bernard Lee, who never gets enough credit, created the concepts, and those concepts got co-opted by all the big companies. The trillions of dollars of value that were created, Tim Bernards-Lee ideas, which I think started at CERN, he's the one who conceptualized these things. So there's this great interplay between a brilliant early academic thinker like Tim and then great writer like William Gibson. Those kind of things you're in that ether, right? So you're, you're a young, cool tech writer. You're Neil Stevenson, you write Snow Crash. Inspired all of us, all of us were like Snow Crash junkies. He has a very particular vision of what the future is gonna look like. He calls that the metaverse. Now that infects the mind of like every nerdy geek kid, just like Star Wars did and, and just like right. Battlestar Galactica. Sci-fi predicts the future. It's one of the futures, right? Comic book writers, sci-fi, they, they create a future one of the possibilities, but a problem is when it affects the mind of nerdy engineers, we then go make that real. Mm -hmm. So Neil's book is so influential. It's literally in the head of everyone working in any kind of AR, VR, anything. So it's somehow that story and his narrative was so powerful, it drove entire people to dedicate their lives to it. So you have to give massive kudos to Neil. That inspiration, by the way, has morphed into lots of different ideas. Like his exact metaverse in Snow Crash is not really what people are doing anymore, but it's at the kernel of it. Well, um, he, here's two things about Snow Crash that I think are kind of extraordinary that we're not talking about now. First of all, he envisioned a connection between the physical world and the digital world. And he envisioned the metaverse not being AR or VR, but rather XR with um, 
people able to teleport to different locations around the world, even while they were in a local metaverse determined by the physical world around them. And it seems to me in this conversation that we're having, Ted, I'd love your thoughts on this. In this conversation we're having, we're really not we're ahead of ourselves. We don't have a terminal device. We don't know, we know that we're going to have one device. We know it will be capable of AR and VR, but how that will interact with e each other and this new metaverse is as yet unsettled. So are we too early talking about this? Well, here's, as you guys were talking, I was thinking the most appropriate and left back to history discussion sort of nomenclature that does actually make the most sense for what we're really talking about is the World Wide Web, interestingly enough, right? Because the web of interconnected devices, the web of interconnected communication tools, the web of how we are constantly connected by now audio, video, and the, 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 the smaller subset of that with spatial tools, but entering a wider and wider subset of that all the time with gaming platforms, and mobile phones and AR layer gaming on mobile phones like the very successful Pokemon Go and lots of other things like it are indeed probably better defined by the word worldwide web that rather than internet, right? Because the internet's underlying technology that holds it all together. The web is the connective tissue that puts this human condition on top of it all. And that's what we're doing right now because we're doing both an audio podcast and a video chat thing that will go up on YouTube, which is part of the World Wide Web. And Roni, you know, you and I and Richard talked about this too when we sort of layered what version of the metaverse are we in? And I think I said we were probably around version four or five of the metaverse and we're getting ready to enter version six of the metaverse. And then here comes Facebook and Netflix and the company I work for, Viacom CBS and Disney and Universal and DCU all touching their version of the web, right? Uh, or the metaverse. So it's it's all starting to become very, very mainstream now. Um, and I think the pandemic was an accelerant to that mainstream. Let me let me take a, a more bullish counterpoint position. Um, I'll also pitch, I like the word Xverse because it extrapolates us away from the specific snow crash, but I think I'm losing that battle. Um, <laughs> and people are using that specific snow crash word to mean everything. And I like Xverse because the X as a variable is open-ended, but however you want to call it. Um, I actually think we are in the early X-verse, early metaverse period for real. What I mean by that is um, it's marked by experiential differences that were not possible before. Um, and I don't think what we're doing right now is really metaversy. I think it's pre-metaversy. But I think if you are in an XR system and you have presence of other people around you, you feel like you are in a different world, not just looking through a screen, but you have ported yourself there. You're beginning to do things that feel like proto oasis, proto snow crash, like people are doing that, not billions, but there are actually millions of people. So I think there's enough people doing it. Look, millions out of 7 billion people on the planet is still a tiny fraction, but it's not zero. And I think that's what people are missing out. It's like, yes, the mainstream is not there yet, but a, a hardcore cult is doing it. Video games were the same thing. Early 70s, there's a bunch of weird kids playing video games. No one knew it would be a $100 billion industry 25 years later. Same thing is going on right now with Metaverse, but it is a markedly different experience. And what's interesting is we're phasing into it. It's not an instant shift, but I think 
five years from now, I think you're going to feel like something much more profound is happening, not 10 years. I think five years will be a profound. And then 10 years, it'll be weird for even anyone to question what's going on. And another, another word to sort of describe what we're all talking about is the mirror world, right? So we're taking almost everything we do in the real world, and we found some electronic version of it that is a rich multimedia experience, right? That like we are basic, basically gathered in person right now. We're all in each other's little space hanging out, right? Um, as if we were really together in person, but we're not. And this has become extraordinarily commonplace. Uh, the, the smartphone revolution has now reached the, the multi-billion, like roughly half of the planet has some sort of smartphone device active every day, using it from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to bed, which is a, a mirror world device. It allows you to you know, do things we used to do on paper, like send mail and, and read you know, the newspaper and read books. And then we extrapolate essentially almost everything we used to do with some physical embodiment to a digital embodiment that lives on our body in the case of a smartphone. And when we get up to the wearable age, which a, a small edge case in the low, low millions is touching now, when it gets into the billions, it'll become just as commonplace as everything else that we touch. And we're then probably in some version of the metaverse. So I, I love that you brought up smartphones because right now the big accelerant for companies like Rec Room has been game consoles and smartphones. So clearly game consoles, which I don't know, there's 200 million, a half the households of the United States have them, which I think is more at this point than, than personal computers. Um, so, so clearly smartphones are going to play a big role in whatever the metaverse is, whether it's based on mirror world, like, um, you know, Snow Crash, or whether it's based on a fully VR world, mm -hmm. right? Ready Player One, which is the extension of Snow Crash, sort of kicks out the complication of AR and just focuses on this connected VR world. So, so what, how, is, how, is, how are smartphones going to um, be a part of that? Because, you know, the way I think of it, when I hear Zuckerberg talking, it sounds a lot like we're all going to be wearing Oculus Quest headsets. So, Troy, let, let me throw out a notion, which is the world exists, uh, this digital simulation, or, or actually I think there'll be many, many worlds. Like I think as many metaverses or exverses that are web pages. So just these like millions of worlds made by all kinds of different people, some big, some small, they exist. And let's separate that from the device. I think there's a lot of confusion and conflation like the device and these things are, I think they're not the same thing. So whether you're wearing an AR headset, a spatial computing headset, a, a mobile phone, a tablet or a PC, these are just viewing windows into worlds. You can imagine they are existing and that what we're doing is using either poor or better ways of extracting the world. And I, I, I scuba dive. So the best analogy for me is mm. some people, the phone people are skimming the surface, looking through a glass bottom boat. Others are going underwater, uh, but they're snorkeling. And others are going all the way in um, and they're using scuba tank. And yet others in the future will grow gills. So I think mm. let's not conflate. Great metaphor. Wow. The ocean can be built without the device. Uh, and in fact, I'm working on stuff like that. Don't worry. Like the, there's the device and the ocean are not the same thing. And all we've got are just different bad and then better interfaces. I, I personally think mobile phones and laptops and tablets are easy right now, but kind of really poor, cruddy ways to partake of what these things will be. 
Um, but the devices we wear, they're, they're still early and we want to get that, that amazing, like super amazing wetsuit where you finally get to like really experience it fully. But let's not conflate the world. The worlds are being built and the devices are being built in parallel and they will converge the quality of the world quality of the device. I think that becomes a confusion. Um, and I, 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 if you think of them separate, it starts to crystallize a little more. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but it does. And I think, um, you know, one of the things Rony, you and I have talked about and Charlie and I have also talked about is that there is a misconception uh, around the general public, even the high tech general public that's interested in VR and AR and MR, that there will be sort of this one device to rule them all. And I don't think that is largely true. I think there are going to be as many devices as we have, as we have in different formulations in our flat screen, two-dimensional grid of pixel world as there will be in the spatial world. There will be things that will be much more nimble and lighter touch to be out in the world and using for light touch productivity and some degree of what we call advanced multimedia. And then there will be other devices that will be more home-based. There'll be other devices that will be more dedicated, um, you know, location-based. And then they'll all start to kind of hybridize and find each other's use cases. But likely like today, we have a smartphone, a laptop, a, a, a a tablet, a large television screen, and other types of screens in our world, we're going to have a, probably six or seven of these devices that sort of populate our body and our universe that make up this next wave of devices. So I think it's a mistake to think that one device can sort of cover it all because it doesn't do that today and it won't do that in the future. So you're, you talked about the, the, the full diving gear and the, just the scuba mask and just swimming the, 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 the surface, right? Um, it's, a, it's a really good, smart way to describe it because that's what's gonna happen with the tech. And, you know, and it's interesting also, of course, that you know, Apple's um, devices have not dropped yet. Correct. And, and they probably will catch up to Facebook very quickly. Um, interesting couple, we've got about um, six or seven minutes left, left. So let's talk about Facebook specifically. And, and I'll just put a bunch of facts out there about Facebook. <laughs> um, their uh, VR headset may sell as many as 20 million units this year. So they are becoming, and, and of course we know PlayStation is now closing in on 10 million units for PlayStation VR. So that's a pretty substantial number, number of people in VR. Uh, and on the Facebook side, uh, they are doing metaverse -y things. Right? They're trying to connect it to the Facebook universe, to Facebook communication devices, so that if I'm playing Onward and Ted is playing ProPut, he can send me a message saying, hey, come over to ProPut. Sort of what happens at the beginning of uh, Ready Player One, where Wade calls H and asks him where he is, and he's killing people in some Doom universe. Um, and, and Facebook is actually building that. And then the two other pieces uh, are one, they're building an AR device. Uh, it will not launch as an AR device. It probably will be more like the uh, audio-based devices um, that we see from uh, Amazon in, in Echo Frames and, and Bose uh, in their audio smart glasses. Um, you know, and those are relying on, on digital assistance. Now, the other thing is that Facebook is said to wanna to build an operating system. Right? They don't want to be reliant on Android. They don't want to be reliant on Apple. And then the final piece of this very interesting puzzle, which seems to me to not yet be totally, you know, it's still somewhat opaque. They're a private company. They don't tell us everything, but they've got this thing toward, I mean, let's, 
Horizon is Facebook's third time to the plate with social VR. And, and I think by any standard, the first two plate appearances were strikeouts. And, you know, you can blame the timing of it. They didn't have enough people to really populate it continuously. Um, and now they've launched Horizon, which was much hyped, much delayed, and is, apologies to my friends at Horizon, but still underdeveloped compared to Rec Room and VRChat. Facebook has been on a buying spree. It's not crazy to think that Rec Room and or VRChat might be on their radar. Of course, VRChat uh, world building there takes place in Unity, uh, which is a pretty smart idea. If you ask me, building all of their own spatial development tools seems to me to be redundant, particularly because they're not as good as the building platforms of Unity and Unreal Engine as you prefer. And but by the way, things that we create in Unity and Unreal Engine, we, we've been porting, my Chapman students have been porting those into Altspace, which has also developed a very powerful following. So, so what, what are all those, you know, Ted, you are so good at kind of piecing together Apple clues. I wonder if you have a sense, we have all these Facebook clues. They don't quite fit together, although I think they will, um, but, but it's still opaque to me. Do you have a clearer vision of what's going on there? Well, I, I certainly have a, a vision of, of, of some predictive analysis based on you know watching all the all the clues, uh, and I think that maybe the most um, important clue is what um, Andrew Bosworth um, announced underneath the Mark Zuckerberg announcement that they're now building a division to tackle this metaverse. And if you look at the people that they brought in, there's a, a buddy of mine named Jason Rubin who ran the the games part yeah. of the. The VR yeah, he was very instrumental in um, in the Oculus programming that we see so today. Now he's taking, so now he's taking that on. Yeah, um, and others are coming along for the ride. People that will be a lot less public, but you and I have known from conferences and things. And you start to see the team that they're building. Um, I actually think they're going to take um, smaller, more sort of meaningful steps rather than trying to tackle kind of yet another um, visual interface and start to build the underpinnings of it and then allow that creative layer to start happening with multiple companies. And you're right, they are on a buying spree. So they're gonna to start to look at what are the ones that have sort of figured out some of the user connective stuff that uh, they weren't really able to figure out so much in, in a vacuum in their version of a vacuum of developers. Whereas the rec rooms and the VR chats were more in a kind of a, a messier sort of use case, which also mirrors a lot of the success of the early stages of the internet. When you talked about like the CompuServe chat rooms and AOL, um, it was messier and it had problems. Right. Well, it was a very siloized world, right? The CompuServe people couldn't get into AOL. AOL people couldn't get into Prodigy. There were all these different silos. Is Are we going to go through that phase, Roni? I, I completely believe so. And, and uh, I'm going to drop a little bit of philosophy, philosophy, uh, <laughs> That's why you're here. Got some logic in you guys. Um, I, I think it's gonna feel like countries with passports and kings or democracies <laughs> without naming any countries. Yeah. Um, there are some large countries where you are going to be a serf serving a king or a queen. And these companies are investing 30 to $100 billion in their version of metaverses or exports. Like think about the scale of that money and think about that the number of monetization streams they will need to ROI and you 
are the corn, you are the cow, you are the crop being harvested. That is why they're doing this because they can develop you in every single way. They can integrate all digital media, every form of computing and communication, every single thing you do is wrapped up under the term metaverse or experts. It really means the run at owning all of it and moving from king to emperor. So people will choose to live as a serf under king X or Y or Z, or, and this is my, my take, you, go, you guys will know where I'm going, you can live in a free, decentralized, somewhat different architecture of that world. And I'm clearly going that other direction. And I actually worry about the, the state of governance of the world as, as government and company begin to merge into something weird. Like that merger happens, governance happens under this new form of metaverse where your understanding of reality, of news, of information is like heightened and extremely manipulatable in these things. So I think we're going to enter a very complex world of philosophical clash, political clash, technical clash. And I think the rulers of metaverses will have an amazingly strong influence over their population. Like a, if you think about what social media has done mm -hmm. and how hundreds of millions of people like do things that are terrible for their lives, like reject medicine and science and actually die for completely idiotic and stupid reasons. This is a thousand times more powerful. This is like tens of thousands times more potent from an economic extraction, from a political control, from a surveillance control, or... Uh, and I think the universe is always like this. It's always dark and light simultaneously. So metaverse is not bad. It's not good. It's both at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, or people can choose to have a different decentralized, free, democratic system. And I think what we're going to have is this clash between, like, does democracy and progressive liberal social ideas live on in something that can't be run by these companies? They cannot do that. They are central monarchies. There's no other way around it. They, they have to serve their LPs and their ROI, or uh, do we just become serfs under the monarchs? I think that's an interesting philosophical question because if you really wonder why are they building it, because it is the ultimate economic ecosystem. It is, it is the GDP of country scale stuff that they're doing. Now those countries are either free and democratic and open, or look at the governance. If there's one king at the top, you are in a monarchy, you are the serf, that's, that's how it'll go. So I think this is, this is where it gets really interesting. I think people who are poo-pooing it have no idea how powerful um, of these integrated systems will be to society and to governance and to the economy. I think unbelievably powerful. Otherwise, why do you think these folks are putting in tens of billions per year right now? They see it. They see yeah. trillions of economic change happening at the end of the decade. Ted, any parting thoughts about the metaverse or Roni's incredible insights? I think I, I hope we should I could be totally wrong, by the way. Me too. Well, that's all. That's, so the issue is about our jobs, we could all be completely wrong. But the but thing I is, as futurists, even if we're wrong, people aren't going to remember that. So uh, they'll probably remember this. The three of us are putting our. Yeah, I don't know. And we're but always. I know in 10 years, I'm going to care. <laughs> what I know about the three of us is we're always partially right. And I think if anything about our little half hour conversation that just happened, that last two minutes that Roni sort of walked us through that. The, the yin and yang. Yeah, the that's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. Wow, Roni. A whole nother podcast. But here's what I'll touch on as my sort of final touch. And uh, it's an interesting last question. Do you think it follows along the lines of if it has a perception of it's free and ad supported versus something we ask our users to pay and contribute to, does that become the dividing line between the, the democratic use case 
and the more sort of kingdom use case. No, I think I think we need to think free as in free as a democratic, and we need new economic models that are are stable. They don't corrupt you with just banner ads all the time. Like I, I think this is what's interesting. Like how does a free expert support itself? What does that economic theory look like? And it's harder. Because the autocratic one's easy, you know, it works and investors are going to flock to it yeah. and it's going to make them hundreds of billions of dollars. The other one is harder. Um, it, it, it thinks more about like sustainability, social justice, all these other factors have to be there. And the economic engine is not quite as clear, yes. but right. yet that's why we're in America. Like we left monarchies to come here to stake our claim in a new country on rational free principles. And I feel like these metaverses are, re, are like renewed opportunities to do the same thing the founding fathers did, create a new economic system that has the principles of like the Washingtons and the Jeffersons. That's not what's going on with these companies. Yeah, yeah. I knew you would have a good touch point on that because we talk about it a lot. So that's why I wanted to lead you into that a little bit. Roni, thank you for joining us. This was such a good episode and um, your insights are so keen and original. Um, Ted, always a pleasure to hang out with you on a Friday morning. Uh, that's our show for today, everybody. We'll be back next week. Roni, you're going to be back on this show. I have a feeling uh, it was great to have you in the conversation today. Have a great Thanks. weekend, everybody. Great weekend. Guys.